Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, today is Pentecost Sunday. And when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, over, overall the world pauses to celebrate Christmas with us. And when we celebrate Jesus' resurrection, much of the world recognizes Easter as a very special day for all of us who celebrate it as Christians. But today is Pentecost. It's Pentecost Sunday. And both Christians and non-Christians do not know, they do not recognize, and they do not realize the significance of the day of Pentecost. That's both Christian and the non-Christian. Did you know Pentecost is the origin? It is the church's birthday. The birthday of the New Testament church. So what can we learn or what can or what do we need to know? What do we need to learn from Pentecost? I mean, does this event called Pentecost have any impact on the New Testament church right now? Now, when we go to the book of Acts, uh, the first chapter of Acts tells us of Jesus meeting with the apostles on the Mount of Olives and telling them that they are to be witnesses to all the world. And that's Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth, right? And he also tells them that they are to wait in Jerusalem until they have received power, dunamis. That's where we get our word dynamite from on high. And then Jesus ascends out of their sight into the heavens. Now for some people, they, they take the Mount of, of a configuration of a transformation where the Lord is shining and he's there between those three disciples and there's Elijah and, and John and they're like, whoa! And they kind of confuse that event with Jesus ascending. Don't do that. It's not the same event. This is a completely different deal. And all of a sudden Jesus comes, he's, he's been warning them, listen, go and, 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 wait, and just wait for the Comforter, for the Holy Spirit to come. Now you got to understand, that's like trying to tell somebody to wait for something they have no idea what you're talking about. And tell them, be excited about it. It just doesn't work. But for some reason, because Jesus was excited, they became excited. That's important. So then you get into the second chapter of the book of Acts. By the way, it's not just called the book of Acts, it's the Acts of the Apostles, right? And we're reading about here, remember again, the birth of the church. So this is a lot of text, but it's important. I don't want to just pull a little segment and then we kind of not get the whole picture. So read with me or follow me as I read this out loud. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. 
Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Now, now I'm just going to stop there for a second because I know people go, what's all this weird thing going on? If I was to describe to you, and I lived in the 1600s, an airplane, what language would I use? I would use the language of the 1600s. And I would say, I don't know what that thing is up there, but it looks like metal, and it flies like a bird. I'll call it a flying metal bird thing. Right? And so they're experiencing something that's glorious. The glory of God is falling upon them, and it's oozing through the veil, so to speak, and it's coming out. And the only way they could describe the, the, what, what the appearance of what was going on was like it was tongues that looked like fire. So they use a language like metal airplane. They would say a metal flying bird thing. Why? Because they don't have a reference point for this. It's never happened before. So they don't know how to describe it. They're doing the best they can. Verse 4, And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. The original language is called glossolalela, speaking in other languages. As the Holy Spirit gave them this ability Five. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. There's representation of every living nationality of the world is present at this place at this moment in time. That's very critical. Six. When they heard the loud noise. What's the loud noise? When God showed up. It was boom. Boom. And the loud noise of the wind. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. So they left the bars and they all showed up over here. Okay, They left whatever they were doing and said, what was that noise? And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this B, they exclaimed. These people are all Galileans, or from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Alamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phagria, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya. Around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, the Cretans and the Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them. How many know there's always going to be a critic I don't care how good it is. There's always going to be a critic. And these critics are no exception. But the others in the crowd ridiculed them. They're just drunk. That's all. Verse 14. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and the reason there's 11 is because in chapter 1, they already replaced Judas. 
with a new apostle. So they're back to their original 12 number. Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. I just like this. This is kind of like the, you know, the drill sergeant says, listen up. You know, you could hear that voice. He comes with that thunderous voice. He's, this guy is a blue-collar fisherman, commercial fisherman, right? Turned disciple. Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. That's another way of saying you tourists. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Kind of made the point, didn't he? No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike. And they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark. And the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord, of the, the Lord's of when the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I mean, as you continue to read through this text, just for time's sake, I didn't go down to it, but you find out that about 3,000 people gave their life to the Lord that day. And now I want you to catch this. The very first message or sermon preached after the resurrection and after here at Pentecost is because the guys were speaking in tongues. What? And if the average church had somebody speak in tongues, they'd lose 3,000 people today. But on their birthday, they spoke in Glossolalia. And 3,000 people saw the miracle, the wonder, and gave their life to Jesus from all over the world who were all there in Jerusalem on that day. It's interesting that some of the people who were there reached the conclusion that the apostles were drunk. Now, I love to make fun of these guys. Maybe you do as well. But there's a reason for that. Let me give you an example of this. In the gold rush here in California, way back when, there's a story that goes that these three guys were up in the hills, in the mountains, and they found and they struck a gold vein. And they knew it was deep and it was long. So they realized they had to do something. So the three of them got together and they said, hey, we can't tell anybody. Let's just go into town. Let's get our supplies. Let's get all the stuff that we need and don't say anything. Let, by the way, let's get our claim and our permit and then let's go back up and get all the gold we can before everybody figures out we have gold. So they did. And they went on down to town and the one guy went and got the claim and the other guy went and got wheelbarrows and picks and shovels and the other guy went and got all the groceries. And then they all started walking out of town. And before they knew it, they turned and looked, and there was a massive crowd behind these three guys. So the one guy looks at the other guy and says, 
Well, who did you tell? I didn't tell anybody. Who did you tell? I didn't. What did you say? We, nobody said anything. They go, why are you guys following us? They go, you all struck it rich. How do you know? No, we didn't. Oh, it's all over your faces. They couldn't hide what was in their heart. And it shone through their eyes. It shone through their face. You see, when these men got filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit was in them, they couldn't help it. And all the other people that saw them said, you can't be that happy. You can't be that full of joy. Uh Uh-uh. The only way you can be that happy and that full of joy is you'll be drinking. You got to be drunk. It's the only thing that made sense. But the truth is, they just encountered the Holy Spirit. And it changed them. They didn't look the same. Think about the disciples. There's just so much excitement that everything about them oozed the gospel. This particular Jewish holiday is called Pentecost, and it reveals about the first generation Christians who discovered a joy unspeakable. And they're so full of joy and happiness that they just stood out like those three gold miners because that joy can't be contained. So when the New Testament church was born on Pentecost, it it was incredible. And by the way, it was an actual historical event. So let me share with you a few things that we learn from Pentecost. One is that the New Testament church was obviously born or originated on this holiday, this Jewish feast. Not by man, but by God. Now, Did you know that the church, the body of Christ, is immortal? Do you ever think about it that way? The body of Christ is immortal. It was given life by God. And because of that, its foundation is built on God. And God says, No weapon formed against it shall prosper. It will never die. Oh, a church could close down, but the body of Christ is still moving. And those believers will just be absorbed into another body. And it will continue to go on. They have tried to kill and destroy the gospel by burning the Bible, by killing martyrs, Christians. But it still goes. And it still goes. It's immortal because it's God-breathed. So Jesus came into the world, and after his death and his burial and his resurrection, the church was formed. And the day that the church became a reality is the day of Pentecost. I've said that a lot of times already. You think I'm trying to make a point? It's not about a culture or a style of a church. It's our birthday. Let's not confuse that. 
Sometimes parts of the body of Christ can act as if we think Simon Peter must have called a special meeting of all the apostles and then said to them all, Now, we are all here gathered together to talk about whether or not we ought to start up a brand new thing. Let's call this thing that we've never seen before a gathering. No, no, we'll call it a church. Now, so let's have an open discussion. Do I have any questions? Let's have some more discussion. Now, do I have a motion? Well, James gives a motion, and John gives a second. And all in favor? And the eyes have it. It didn't happen that way. No man was behind the designing and the building of the church. It was God-breathed. It was God's idea. Let me show you. Let me, let me have you remember this. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. On the day of Pentecost, on this Jewish festival, all the believers were meeting together in one place. That means there were more than just the twelve. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Folks, God started the church. God created the church. God brought the church into being. It's His church. And He died on the cross for His church. And He owns it. And we're just part of it. It is really essential to realize the idea of church is not man-made. It's God-breathed. As a matter of fact, the same word that they use there in, in verses 1 and 2 where it says this windstorm, it, it talks about how this wind blew into the, into the upper room. It's, it's a Greek word that sounds something like, and I, I'm not great with Greek and Hebrew, but it would be ruhah. And to actually say it right, you have to breathe out. It's the same word in the Hebrew that is used in, in Genesis where God literally breathed life into man. Okay? It's the same word. So when God breathed into Adam, he brought in life that started there in the garden. And here in the body of Christ, in, in, in the church, God breathed. And it transformed everything. Isn't that interesting? Here's another thing that we can learn. The church's mission is to communicate the love of God and to share the gospel. The body of Christ, the, the church, is to share the love of God to a loss and to a dying world. Now, the theme of Pentecost, believe it or not, the theme of Pentecost is communication. Did you catch that? It's really about communicating. It, it, it's really a shame that the whole idea of speaking in tongues has become such a controversial issue that the idea of communicating the gospel is somehow lost in this thing that we don't quite understand. Now, years ago, I really struggled with this, you know, this tongue thing. Oh my gosh, Lord, really? You're a God of organization. You're a God of order. This thing brings chaos and disorder to the body of Christ. What's it all about? Am I the only one in the room who ever had that kind of a thought? Okay. 
And I said, Lord, could you help me with this? And the Lord literally took me back to a passage in the Old Testament. How many know that for some reason we put a wall up between Old and New Testament? And all it's supposed to be is the dividing line of when Jesus was born. Take the wall out. There's no wall. And so you go back and you find it there in Genesis 11, right? And, and you look at it and you realize this is that passage of the Tower of Babel. Some guy named Nimrod. Don't name your kid Nimrod, whatever you do. So this guy, Nimrod, is about to, says we've got to build this tower. And, and they called it a ziggurat, right? This thing that goes up into the, into the heavens. The first high rises. And they were doing this whole thing out of an act of rebellion because they're in many ways trying to duplicate the same sin of Adam and Eve. They wanted to be up in the heavens. They wanted to be godlike, full of pride. And God stopped that rebellion by doing what to their language? Confusing it. And so over here, you get those who are going to speak what? Meikano, Japanese, some Germans, Swahili. And all of a sudden, they're all, before they all worked together great the day before. And he's saying, Can you hand me that hammer? And you're going, What? ¿Qué pasó? No entiendes. I don't get it. So then all those who spoke the same type of languages gathered together, and they had to go this way, and the other group had to go that way, and they all went different ways. And the Lord said, because of the power of the resurrection, I was able to reverse, through an act of the Holy Spirit, all of the curse I put on mankind. By giving them a divine language that would bring unity to the body of Christ when they speak and pray in the Spirit. That it would be a heavenly language that would unite, that they could do great things for the cause of Christ. It wasn't to separate. That already happened in the Tower at Babel. It was to unite. That's why every language was represented there in Jerusalem. Just like before, all the different languages were now spread. Now in Jerusalem, they were all united. And when they spoke in Glossolalia, when they spoke in tongues, they all heard it in their own native language. The glories of God. And because it was so powerful, 3,000 men gave their lives to the Lord. They couldn't argue with it. We've confused it. We didn't connect it that God was not done with what He had done in the Tower of Babel. That God was now bringing a new thing. It was a new covenant. It was much sweeter. It was much more powerful. It wasn't about being strange and weird. We don't need help with that. Somebody said amen and pointed at the pastor. I saw you. Isn't that neat? You can look it up now. I found out a bunch of guys already figured that one out. I needed the Lord to show me. There's theologians who figured that one out too. God doesn't hide things from all of us. If we seek, we will find. The mission has never changed. 
The moment you became a Christian, the moment I became a Christian, God's commissioned us all to share the simple message of Jesus with others. To go and love one another. That's why our church's mission statement is to help people take their next step towards Christ together. Well, here's another thing we should learn from Pentecost. The church is to establish a fellowship, a family of believers. That's why we call each other brother and sisters in the Lord. Why? It's supposed to be familial. It's supposed to be family. The church needs background to understand things sometimes much more deeper. For instance, the Jewish feasts are a beautiful shadow of the pictures of God's redemptive work through His Son. Now, the Feast of Pentecost was a Jewish feast. And they used to call it the Feast of Harvest or the Feast of Weeks. They, they got the idea of Feast of Weeks because it was 50 days. Penta meaning 50. And so what would happen is they just called it the Feast of Weeks because it was, it was one week seven times. Give them 45 days plus one. So they just call it the Feast of Weeks. But it was really the idea of the Feast of the Harvest. And which is interesting because 3,000 came to the Lord on that day. On Pentecost, the high priest was to take two loaves of freshly breaked wheat bread, a fine flour and yeast, and offer them before the Lord. And the wheat bread was made from newly harvested wheat. And there you'll find that in Leviticus 23. So the question is, why two loaves? Why two loaves? Well, go with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 18. And it reads, Don't forget that you are that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. This is Paul who wrote the book of Ephesians. He's talking to the church in Ephesus. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision. This is just a really weird conversation here, guys. Even though it affected only their bodies, but catch this part, but not their hearts. In those days you were living in Apart from Christ, you were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to Him through the blood of Christ. This is normal to us, but this is revolutionary to them. Verse 14, for Christ himself was brought, has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when his own body with in his own body on the cross. He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by the ending the system of law and his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups, i.e., 
the two loaves of bread. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of His death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. No more hostility. He brought His good news of peace to the Gentiles who were far away from Him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done. So let me take you to the Jewish thought process about their system of faith versus Christ, the resurrection, and that understanding of faith. See, this was all based upon race. If you were Jewish, didn't mean you were a good Jew. Just means you were born in that way. It was the idea of, of a circle going smaller and smaller. Very exclusive. So those who were out here, Abraham, and all of a sudden, it just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. That's it. Nobody else allowed in. Jesus comes around and He reverses the thought. John 3.16, For God so loved the Jews only. Or what's it really say? For God so loved the world. So all of a sudden, it's not just the small little thing, this one little group. He goes like this. And to the Arabs, to the Australians, to the Americans, to the Germans. I mean, he just keeps going and going. All, all generations, all genders, all. This is nothing like what it used to be. He flipped it on his head. And so the two loaves really represent taking this one group that thought they were exclusive only to God and this other group who thought they could never have because the spiritual arrogance of this group had nothing but racism towards everything else. And he says, no, these two are now united because it was made out of the same stuff. Two loaves, but one offering. One sacrifice. It's important to remember that deep division that existed between the Jew and the Gentile. Oh. And yet something significant happened on the day of Pentecost. A new body was formed. A body called the church. And everyone was welcomed. All colors, all genders, all education, financial status, educational status, it doesn't matter. We're all welcome. And we all belong. In the Jerusalem temple, the God-fearing Gentiles were allowed to worship in the court of Gentiles. So remember, that this would not, it just wouldn't be tolerated today. So it's kind of like, hey, we could have church in here, but then this other group, you're, you're, you're allowed to be in the parking lot. We'll put a speaker out there for you. Okay? But you're not welcome in here. This is a very special place. You know why Jesus got so upset with the money changers? 
Because they were out there in the parking lot with all the Gentiles where that's where their only place of allowing themselves to worship God because they found out God was real even though they weren't Jewish. And so their only place of worship unto God was being desecrated by a den of thieves. He threw over the money changers. And that's why Acts chapter 2 is so important. Because the Holy Spirit came and He ripped open this wall and says, build it bigger. Everybody's welcome in. You know when the veil ripped? And the, remember there was the outer place where they would do the, the sacrifices. Then you go to the holy place. And then you go to the holies of holies. And this was separated by a veil, super thick veil. That it ripped not from the bottom up, but from the top down. Meaning God had to rip it from the top down saying, everybody's welcome, not just the high priest. And not just the Jew, the Gentile. Oh, Pentecost is important. It matters. How does God achieve lasting peace between Jews and Gentile? By destroying the wall. The barrier that separated the two. He did not make the Jew a Gentile or the Gentile a Jew. But by creating a new man out of the two, reconciling both Jew and Gentile unto himself. He created something absolutely new. I'm not a Gentile. Neither are you. They're not Jews. Not anymore. We're just children of God. Christ paid the price for all mankind. He paid for the sins of the Jew. He paid for the sins of the Gentile. And all of mankind, every race, every gender, the heart of peace, it is not an it. It is a he. And Jesus is our peace. The world changed after Pentecost because the New Testament church was born on that day. It should never be the same. It should be new. So as I close, if you're lonely, and you're tired, or you feel taken advantage of, rejected, you're not sure what your next step is to be, then know that the disciples experience those same emotions that you do Today, on the church's birthday. And the good news is that they also experienced the joy of Pentecost that forever changed them. They became focused. They became confident. They had purpose. They had deep joy and contentment because they had all been filled. They had all been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, what power. Again, if you're lonely, you're tired, you feel taken advantage of, you're not sure, where's my next step? Then I encourage you to seek the Holy Spirit. Say, come Holy Spirit. 
doing to me what you did with those first disciples in that upper room. It wasn't just the twelve. It was all the believers. God's no respecter of persons. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Lord, as we come and pray, I just pray for, for anybody here who's just struggling, that there's just such a heaviness, that they might be excited that Pentecost is still real today. It's not a style. It's not a culture. It's a day that the church was born because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was given its mission to go and share the good news. Lord, that we can move prophetically, that there would be signs and wonders, there would be miracles, that we could pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, so that there could be the power of unity, no more divided and separated like at the Tower of Babel, but united where every tongue could comprehend the glory and the majesty and the wonder of God. Oh God, pour out Your Spirit on Your people. Revive us, Lord. Let us have hope unending. Pour out Your Spirit, I pray. Let us know that greater is He that is in us. Dunamis! The paraclete. The comforter. Than He that is in this world. Oh Lord, bless Your holy name. And bless Your people. We ask this in the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.